Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, we have a zealous man coming to Jesus to seek out eternal life. And he asks, first addressing our Lord with this title of good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And maybe in surprise to us, our Lord says, why do you call me good? We scratch our heads because we know, especially with this next line that he says, no one is good but one that is God. We scratch our head and say, I thought I was here for this Jesus as God bit. I'm a little confused why he's redirecting him or correcting him. If there is a good teacher, would it not be our Lord? Throughout our life with God, God is always our teacher. And this is exactly what our Lord is doing with this zealous young man. He is telling him, he is redirecting him, he's beginning his pedagogy. He is taking him, as St. John Chrysostom says, little by little, leading him on, teaching him to forsake flattery, right? Good teacher. It's like, you don't, we don't have to talk like that, because the real good, what you are really trying to aim for, what you are really trying to address is God whose goodness is beyond any kind of goodness that we know and is something that you are beginning to learn and understand. St. John Chrysostom tells us that our Lord is drawing him off of things, turning him from these kind of little lesser things and fastening him upon God, persuading him to seek after things to come, to know that which is really good, the root fountain of all things, and refers all honor to God. This is not, and this is one of these famous verses, where if you are ever in, to be blessed in having a debate with someone about this topic of Jesus as God, this is not what our Lord is talking about. Our Lord is not saying, I'm not God, we're talking, I'm just a teacher. He is correcting gently teaching this zealous man. Why do I say zealous? Because often when we come to this passage and many encounters with our Lord, there's much zeal, but there's also a lot of questions or those who seek to set our Lord in a trap. If we look to the Gospel of Mark, which has the same encounter, we don't just have this young man coming up and uh, just suddenly addressing. We have him coming up running So he's pursuing him, and then he kneels before him to ask this question. There is true, honest, incredible zeal in this man. He really does want to know what he needs for eternal life. Our Lord continues in addressing him. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. There is nothing deeper in the life of faith than keeping the commandments of God. That's not just kind of like amateur hour, like introductory stuff. That is the life of God. To obey and keep the commandments. 
This is the last two Sundays, Elijah and Samuel with Israel. What's the issue? Israel does not obey the commandments. Israel does not keep the commandments. Israel goes a whoring after after other gods, after idols. And it was Israel's lack of keeping the commandments that has all of, let's say, the negative effects that come with it. This is why throughout the Psalter and a book that we love in Scripture, it has got to be, if there was a running for favorites, it should be the Psalter. At least this is how the church sees it, having put the Psalter through all of our services and building our services off the Psalter. Again and again, make me to love thy commandments. Help me to keep thy commandments. It is my meditation day and night. It is where I find life. To find life is to keep the commandments of God. So the zealous man says to him, okay, which ones? This is a pretty good question because there's a lot of commandments of God. Which ones? And Jesus says, he goes down the, a basic list. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. The young man responds, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus says to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. If you want to be perfect. So the young man has kept, at least in his mind, these commandments. The kind of big ones, right? Things that we can go through and say, yes, murder, I'm good on that one. Adultery, I might struggle with my eyes and my heart, but I haven't done that. Stealing. No, I don't, I don't recall anything bearing false witness. But this young man, he says, I've kept all of this. Jesus takes it up a notch and says, if you want to be perfect. And this is exactly, I think, where many of us might start to trip up. We may even scoff at what Jesus is saying. He's not saying if... You want to be mediocre, if you want to be okay, if you want to kind of scoot in to heaven. He says, if you want to be perfect. Now, let's be clear about what Jesus is saying in being perfect. He's not talking about mathematical perfection, right? Like some kind of robot. <laughs> that, that, uh, that's not us, right? He's not talking about that kind of perfection that we never fail he's actually again he's teaching him he's saying you have this idea of holiness you have this ideal of where you have kept the commandments and you're seeking eternal life true holiness true resting and connecting and having one's life and heart residing in God that is what the lack is That is what the high calling that Jesus calls us to. And it is a high calling. 
And it's something that we may be tempted to scoff at. We may even despair at this high calling. But this is what our Lord calls us to. In fact, he says to be perfect for this young man was for him to give up the weight of possessions, to transfer his heart from this earth to heaven. The blessings that were given by God to Israel is the same thing. We have that God is calling Israel throughout and sending prophets and constantly saying, okay, if you follow me, these are the blessings. Israel fails. More prophets. If you follow me, these are the blessings. If not, here's the path this direction. What often happens to the prophets? What does Jesus say? They get murdered. They fail. The hard hearts of Israel does not want to hear the call of God. If you want to be perfect, if you want the blessings of God, keep the commandments, especially and more fully than what we may on kind of a cursory low level think. The young man hears what our Lord has to say. And he goes away sorrowful because he was loaded down with great possessions. St. John Chrysostom tells us that he goes away cast down, not because he came with any evil will to Christ, but because his will was feeble. He did indeed desire life, but he was in subjection. He was Enchained, He was enslaved. And so he left weeping. What our Lord calls us to is not just our ideas about things, but he calls us to that perfection. And this is something that gives us a little window into our own heart. It might not be great possessions that burdens us. It might be a whole gathering of things that keeps us locked down. And this is the challenge of a kind of deadness that we may have. A kind of, how shall we say, we've gone into neutral, we've made peace with this thing in our life or things in our life. We know it. The rich rich young man knows this. He knows that he has great possessions. He knows what his high calling is. And yet he goes away sorrowful. No will of ours that is captured by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life will allow us to ascend, to be able to truly love, to be able to seek that perfection and holiness of God. I have seen many times, especially those who come into the church in the first few years, there's always a kind of incredible zeal. They've learned new things about God. They have gathered to themselves and learned about new tools that the church gives and offers of healing. And I've actually heard from another priest of someone who entered into the church and about three months later they said, 
I, I, you know, I think I'm done with this because I'm not holy yet. <laughs> that their life, three years in to the sacramental living within the church, they're not glowing or floating, and therefore they need to walk away from the church because it's not working yet. This zeal that can derail us and then it just goes not into kind of a dormant mode, but just complete kaput. I'm done. Our Lord turns to the disciples after this man leaves and he tells them, Assuredly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished. They hear and they understand what Christ calls us to. Christ even gives them a little story talking about the way, the path, not the broad path that leads to destruction, but the narrow way. And they are astonished. And they say, okay, Jesus, since you've set the bar here, who can be saved? I love that scriptures gives us little tiny details. It says, Jesus looked at them. This happens a lot in the Gospels, where Jesus beholds, where he looks, where his eyes lock, where God himself looks at them, looks at their astonishment, probably the beginnings of despair, and he understands what it is that they're wrestling with. He understands their astonishment, their disbelief at the high calling that he has just put before them. He is familiar, deeply familiar with their struggle and our struggle, because this is what the entire gospel is, that he himself who calls us to holiness took on our flesh. This is why he is always moved by these encounters. He beholds and sees. And in seeing them, he says, with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The rich young man and the disciples, their astonishment or their sorrow, they actually understood what God was saying, what Jesus was putting before them. Jesus understands it. He understands that he is asking of perfection, of becoming holy like God, that the creature becomes like the creator. But this is exactly the pedagogy. This is how Jesus teaches from the very beginning of this encounter where he points to the holiness and goodness of God. This is how God with Israel is constantly sending prophets, judges, kings, priests, all for the discipline of God for Israel. This is the pedagogy of God that involves our desire, our will, and ultimately our entire heart. He wants to work with us. And he knows, that just like St. John Chrysostom says, he's got to take little bit by little bit by little bit. St. John Chrysostom, in talking about the pedagogy of God, tells us, that it takes in changing our convictions, our desires, 
that at the very beginning of and where this young man should have started with is a conviction when he heard the words and his heart was pierced to make the conviction and say, you're right, my desire is wrong and it needs to be fixed. And instead of going away sorrowful, be able to firmly implant in his mind that this is wrong. St. John Chrysostom tells us evil is not stopped by adding to it, but by taking away from it. And I love this example that he gives. Have you ever had an absurd desire to fly? Now, think of 4th century John Chrysostom, right? He doesn't understand that we fly now. But he's talking about, you know, uh, like Icarus or something, right? You've got this absurd desire to fly. What do you do to extinguish this crazy desire? Do you go and make wings? <laughs> right, you can see it, like glue with some wings? Do you prepare other instruments? Do you convince your mind that in desiring these things, these impossible things, that you would be able to have it? It's quite plain, he says, that we must convince our mind. If you really think, obviously, we're talking about 4th century St. John Chrysostom, but think about it. To them, it's a completely absurd idea. It would be for us, if you think that we, we just kind of give ourselves some wings, that we'd be able to fly. Do you feed that thought? No. You say, this is ridiculous. You have to argue with yourself and return to the conviction that this desire, this thing, this lust, this lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, you have to actually be convicted of it and make that stand and say, this is wrong. Not just like, yeah, that was wrong and let it float down the river. You have to say, no, this is where I stand. This is it. This is wrong. St. John Chrysostom then tells us that we must transfer our desire from earthly things to heavenly things. We convince ourselves of what is true and what is good and what is beautiful, and then we contemplate the difference. St. John Chrysostom tells us, let us remove ourselves to another love. It is one thing for us to just try to stop something called turkey, for us to just say, I'm done with that. This has never been the pedagogy of Christ and of the fathers. It says, remove ourselves from that love and make, transfer it to another desire. He then says, do not seek all at once, but gently, little by little, ascend the ladder that leads you up to heaven. The young man did not need to run away sorrowful. The young man could have started the process, the little bit by little bit. For him, it could have been giving alms. It could have been parting with specific goods that he had to wean himself off of it. And ultimately, it all is going back to what our Lord says, that with us it is impossible, but with God it is possible. That through all of this, we learn to rely on God. As Paul says in the epistle this morning, But by the grace of God am I what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. For I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. You can see in Paul, but the grace of God which was with me. Our turning towards God, the reaching out for perfection, is our admission of lack. And our need for him above everything to take us, to take our hearts, 
to be able to transfer them to the heavenly places so that we are not burdened with just the things of this earth, but contemplate the things of heaven, the face of God who beholds us and calls us up to sit with him in the heavenly places where you, brothers and sisters, are, but just little by little bit, with firm conviction, with putting before you a path of weaning off of and weaning yourselves to God, attaching yourselves to God. This is the path. This is the pedagogy of our Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.